0: a Big Show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280
1: The Zone. Live from the Dish Professionals, 801 dish 801-424-3474. Uh, programming announcement here, Gordon. Yes. We just got word from Dennis Dodd of CBSSports.com that uh, he has been put on a deadline and will be unable to jump on with us last-minute stuff. And when you're a world-famous celebrity like Dennis Dodd, things come up. They do come up, especially something that we already brought up came up. Well, Dennis is awesome, though. He's great to come on with us when he can. We'll we'll give him a little attitude on this. So, Indeed. Uh, if you were uh, tuning in for Dennis, which I'm sure many of you out there were, uh, our apologies. Instead, let's uh, let's go through. We we did the highlights from Coach Witt's press conference earlier in the show. Should we uh, do the highlights from Coach Tates? Let's do it. All right. Let's start things out. Uh, we, coach was asked if the team was more focused on Utah than, uh, than any
2: other matchup. I think a lot of people thought I didn't take last week very serious. I did. I just don't need to define it. What I did like was the intensity and the excitement. I like the way our guys are focused on what was going on. They're so razor-sharp focused that the game was more important than the Big 12 announcement, and these guys are so focused on that game. That was different than any other week that we've seen, and, and I have to give a lot of credit to the coaches, the assistant coaches, and the leadership on our team. So let's have that same type of mindset, that same type of focus, and that same type of intensity that we had coming into the practices and into our meetings, and let's duplicate do- it because i think it was nice to, that the players had that opportunity to do that and, and saw the success that we had from it and so let's try to do the exact same thing again
1: yeah i okay. mean <laughs> uh, the, to say and to do are, are a couple of different things we uh, we asked tanner mingham about this when yeah. uh, when tanner jumped on with us you know how do you replicate that because it's I mean, uh, who was it? Coach Mack said on the show last Friday. You know, it's not hard to motivate a team for a rivalry game. Right, and now,
3: obviously, uh, like we were talking about, uh, BYU turns around and faces another high-quality opponent, and you gotta you gotta keep keep that fever pitch going. Is that possible to do that, or do you think you can wear your team out by firing them up every week? I mean, I guess it seems like you should be able to do that, right? I get it if it was basketball or baseball, you know, where the games are just coming at you at a fast pace. But in football, you should be able to do that,
1: right? Well, I don't know. know, Let's get uh, the psychologist on the phone. You know, I think think it depends on who you're playing. I think it depends on the makeup of your team. Um, I think that's one of the reasons coaches so often talk about the leadership
3: amongst their players that they can keep that team fired up and that it is a matter of pride. It is a matter of stick-to-itiveness. And I think that's really effective. The great teams that I have seen through the years all had that. And it's almost indescribable, but players just
1: firing each other up. I don't know how else to say it, you know? Uh, Let's uh, move on to this one here, Gordon. Uh, Coach was asked about independence and how the home schedules during this period have changed BYU's program.
2: Well, I think when we first moved to having that high number of P5 games early in the season, we knew that that was going to test our depth. And so when we play the high number of P5 games that we do to begin the season that nobody else does in the country, you're going to have to test your depth. So when you see a running back that's going to be playing tonight, Tyson Williams, when he gets hurt in a game and you don't have him again, you struggle when you have to bring the next man up and I'm not saying that there's a huge drop off, but maybe there's a drop off in experience and talent. Right now, I think our team is much more prepared for that to happen. We we saw it happen in the Arizona game because of what we did in camp. We were pretty physical and had some nagging injuries in camp. And then we may see how we respond from this week if we have to make an adjustments with that. But I would say the intensity of the scheduling is the thing that tested our depth, and we knew we had to develop that right away. And we feel really good about the progress that we've made from when we first started with just this type of schedule to where we're at now.
3: That's pretty huge, if that's true. If BYU does have depth... Where they can, you know, they have the coffers to pull in somebody else who can fill in because the guy's going to get hurt. It's just part of football. And remember, Hans was telling us before the season started, I think it was the round table, wasn't it? And he was talking about how BYU's offensive line has to stay healthy.
1: Yeah, there's not the depth there.
3: But what does that mean exactly? What, is, is it like Kalani was talking about? A guy might really be good, he's just not experienced. and. Maybe that's just as important. I don't know, especially when it comes to a highly technical position like
1: that. This uh, has nothing to do with BYU per se, and and I certainly don't disagree with what you or Coach said, but do you think depth is going to be affected by the transfer rules? It's going to be hard to build depth
3: because... Because there's an opportunity, always an opportunity somewhere else. Because players
1: can just cut and run. Um, Coach Witt, I know we're not talking about Coach Witt here, but he had an interesting answer about Mackay Bernard, where he talked about how he's stayed here and earned, you know, an opportunity. I don't know who the reporter was that asked the question. You know, do you think that's, you know, go be increasingly rare because of the transfer rules? And uh, Coach Witt talked about how that's the easier way to go to transfer, and so I uh, wonder how much. How, how that will affect depth. You, you know where I am on that,
3: Jake. I enjoy the fact that individuals have the freedom to, to go where they want to go. But on the other hand, it can backfire if someone is too impatient right off the bat. And it would be in their best interest to stick around. Uh, and it's up to the individual. They have to recognize these things. But one of the guys that I had dinner with the other night up at the press box before the Utah-BYU game, Robbie Bosco, he, he had to sit behind Steve Young. And by the time it was his turn, he was totally prepared. And I think something about winning a national championship, you know? But he, he was up to it. And what if he had just bounced? He said, oh, I want to play as a freshman. Or
1: wouldn't the, wouldn't the, the great example be, didn't Jim McMahon get benched as a junior or something like that to wait his turn? Or my, well, yeah, my he, he, and Mark, no, he and
3: Mark Wilson were there at the same time. Yeah. yeah. And so he and he ended up red shirting, I think, and he hated it. But then they brought him along and it worked out nicely for him.
1: right. But I that, that's the hard part about this discussion and not to go too far deep into this rabbit hole, I suppose. But you're expecting 18, 19 year olds to have the self-awareness enough to make the appropriate decision when it comes to something like this, because it is easier. Well, I've got another coach here from down the road who's telling me, "Goll, if I was wearing uh, his uniform, I'd be getting every carry." Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the easy thing to do as opposed to, well, like like Makai Bernard staying at Utah, battling it out. Yeah. Looking like he was buried by Ty yeah. Jordan, but yeah. stay, sticking around, yeah. battling it out. And and he's seen the benefits. And you could tell coach Witt genuinely felt good for him. But I just wonder You know, we're talking about depth here, how that will be affected, because it's tough to put players on ice anymore because they can just bounce. Did I just pull a, you know, who I had dinner with the other night? Yeah, you did kind of of brag about that. Was that kind of a A name drop? It was a name drop. I'm sorry. I I didn't mean to be bringing attention to me. Now, did you have dinner with him or did he have dinner with you? (laughs) Is this like a President Monson situation where you didn't go up to him? He came up to you uh, he did come up to me. I know I think of it. you didn't come up to him yeah. go up to him
3: i uh, I mean, I would just look at a Robbie and say, man, that must be nice. Just you know he probably never buys a dinner, probably in provo never never you know pays for a round of golf, never so he's hands. <laughs> He's a national champion, and so he gets treated as such down there in Provo. We think they get Robbie on the show. It's good to see
1: him. Speaking of BYU quarterbacks, here is uh, Kalani's thoughts on Jaron Hall's first two games.
2: In regards to numbers, he's doing great with the numbers that matter the most. And that's what we're focused on. You know, we we had some mistakes in this game and it's not directed towards Jaron, but there are some individuals in the game that made attempts to gain some stats and things like that. And that can't happen. But it's nice to know that the leader on the offense isn't doing that. And it's just really good to see the way our players have each other's backs. And so just really happy with the way that he's performing. But a lot of that has to do with the preparation that he takes on during the week and that um, A-Rod and the rest of the offense does. I mean, I'm really confident in the way that they conduct themselves from Monday through Friday, and I, that's why I feel confident going into Saturday's games.
3: So you're essentially saying that preparation is important.
1: It is? I think Jaron Hall has a lot of potential, and I again, I think the number one takeaway from the BYU-Utah game, from his perspective to me, is dude is a gamer. He's going to go out there, and he's going to make uh, the plays he's got to make at the time when he's got to make them to go out and get a big win. I think it's a big deal.
3: Uh, our friend Gage, he says, Jake, not only did Gordon name drop, he circled back around after no it one again. said anything about it to make sure it was
1: discussed. You're right, Gage. Speaking of disgust, I'm disgusted with myself. I was going to say. I I thought you were going to say. Speaking of disgust, uh, I discussed a popular topic (laughs) with uh, with uh, Hugh Hefner back when I uh, went to the Playboy. He was wearing that white jumpsuit. I don't know what that. Not really a jumpsuit.
3: It was just kind of a. uh, What do you call those wrinkly kind of uh, summer suits? Speaking of disgust, I
1: sucker. What's that called? I don't know. I discussed mutual greatness with John Wooden once. I did that. We, we expressed, you know, what it means to be great from both. Gage, of Gage, you caught me on it. I'm
3: sorry. I apologize to one and all because I can't stand it. And when now you. I, can't by, I can't stand it when
1: you do that. And now by uh, referring to Gage's tweet, you've circled back to it a third time. So <laughs> well, well, I was congratulations. No, I was making it clear that I understand
3: that I made a mistake by there. bringing it up again. Yeah.
1: Well, how else could I do it? Could have kept it to yourself and just. No, uh, I wanted said to Next time I'll be better. <laughs> okay. All right. You want to bring it up again? Who'd you have dinner with again, Gordon?
3: Nobody. Nobody. Let me just call Robbie. Nobody. Time number four. You circled back to it. <laughs> it was good to visit with him.
1: Uh, you know? Keep going.
4: <laughs>
3: Uh, Here's uh, our next guy. I tried to talk him into going and playing golf, but I don't think he was overly – because he's like a two or something. He's like a two or a three. I, I don't know whether he would have fun playing golf with the likes of us.
1: Well, and now we're trying to move on from it, and you keep dragging us back. You know, there was one time I remember I was yeah. <laughs> playing, I
3: was playing a scramble tournament down there at Riverside. And Robbie was, in the, Robbie was in the group in front of us. Hawk. And I had a, uh, th- there's a, I forget what hole Hawk. it is, but it's like a 340-yard par, uh, dog-led par four. And I, off the tee, I cut the corner on it and landed it on the green as Robbie was putting. And? Did i i hit Why would the anybody possibly a, care about this? Yeah, I did. And uh-huh. I discussed that with him the other night during dinner.
1: Uh-huh. I said, sorry, I didn't mean to. So now you're bragging, a about, jolt into your, you're bragging about your distance on your golf drive? This was many, many years this ago. Is, I uh, I mean, get, what else do you want to brag about? mm <clears throat> And I'm so used to not believing your stories. I'm just not going to believe that one either. I'm really quite the good uh, interior
3: designer at at home. I've been working on those things lately. And, you know, if anybody needs any tips, call Austin. He'll put put you through to me.
1: Here is Coach Satake talking about the Nakua brothers.
2: I thought they did a great job. I love their energy. They had the same amount of energy when they weren't playing in the Arizona game. Those guys work hard, you know, and, and they want to win and they want to perform, but they also are really excited when their teammates do well. It's a lot of energy and that's stuff that I really like. I really appreciate guys to do that and just need to make better decisions when we score touchdowns and, and not cost the team an opportunity to get more points. But I understand some of the mistakes guys make. We just can do better. There are some mistakes that were made in the game and we can do better. And we talk about our culture of love and learn, so we're going to learn from the mistakes and get better and hopefully we have more opportunities to test their the celebration style which means get to the sideline and celebrate with your teammates but that's okay i appreciate the energy and the excitement and what they bring to the table we'll, we'll just have to make sure we don't cost the team uh, any issues but i'm glad that the rest of the team had their backs and, and i know the coaches do as well
3: you know uh, just like i was uh, repenting for my bragging about having dinner with Robbie Bosco the other night Stop! I, 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 was, I knew I knew that Kalani was going to bring that up when he, when he was talking about uh, Samson Nakua because it was it, terrific uh, and I think both Samson and, and uh, uh, Puka are going to have real nice years this year but that was really dumb That was really dumb. And really, when he took his helmet off and ended up costing them 15 yards and then they missed the PAT, um, when Utah scored to cut it to six with nine minutes to go in the game, I'll bet you three-fourths of BYU fans were going, "Uh uh-oh, six is a really bad margin because we've seen the Utes come back and win. Uh, by scoring a touchdown. All they needed was one touchdown, a PAT, they win the game. And uh, it didn't turn out that way. But it could have. It might have.
1: It didn't. It didn't. You're right. And he was, but he didn't know that at the time he did it. Yeah, so what? Well, it, whatever. I mean, it wasn't the smartest thing I've seen. But he made a huge difference in that game. Samson did. You could tell. I mean, speaking of somebody up, pouring yeah. his whole heart into a, into a yeah, football game. Yeah, no doubt. He absolutely did that. And shout out to our guy, Alema Harrington, uh, our football Friday. That's right. Last week on the warehouse, predicted that Sampson was going to make a huge impact and predicted BYU was going to win. Yeah. Uh, the only one I know who did so, although Alema does so every year. Yeah. <laughs> but he did. And he met, but he mentioned, he mentioned that he Sampson did. Nakua was going to make a difference. He said he was going to
3: be a difference. And, and sure. he, he was, did. 100%. He was. And to tell you the truth, I think, and, and Sampson's probably tired of hearing this, but Pook is even better.
1: Yeah, we'll see. Well, BYU hopes uh, they're both impactful on the field, which I think they both were um, in the rivalry game. But, yeah, part of it had to feel pretty good for Samson. I mean, doing it against his old team, I don't know if there are any hard feelings there necessarily, but you could tell he was passionate about it. Yeah, no doubt. Know. All right, uh, here's Coach Satake on uh, what's up with a few targets for the tight
2: ends. The production you guys are talking about catches but yes, look at the perception. production they're doing blocking it just doesn't come down to catching the ball they, they do everything else out there that we need them to do and that's protect the quarterback sometimes and pass pro and also get yards for our run game and so when we're talking about stats whether it's the quarterback or the receivers or the tight ends the, the stuff will happen I don't think you force feed something but I think uh, you look at last year's games and you look at teams that are defending us they know that the tight end is, is a viable option for our quarterback and so it's not not a surprise to anybody but we have different options a lot of different places at running back at receiver and at tight end so it's just a matter of what the defense does it's not like we're just going to force feed the guys when the defense is taking it away
3: you know no tight end wants to hear what kalani just said they're good at blocking yeah well, they, they, they don't open they up should, the run game pro.
1: they should get more recognition for blocking that's a big part of that uh, position people often forget yeah but who gets the headlines That doesn't doesn't make it right. And by the way, those tight ends shouldn't even be called tight ends. They should have a renaming of the position. Like, like was uh, Shannon Sharp ever really a tight end? (laughs) Uh, Kelsey. Is he a, is he a good blocker? I don't know. Not particularly. Not like the dude in San Francisco can block what Kittle. Oh yeah. Uh Is it Greg? Uh huh. Uh -huh. No. George Kittle. Greg Kittle. Anyway, Kittle. Uh, He could do both. Uh huh. I don't know. Somebody more, uh, some Chiefs fan out there will probably is say himself. Some... Is a good blocker? Yes. He's a big man. Yeah. He is a big, big man. Who was the guy at BYU
3: who caught so many balls from uh, Moore, Moore Park, uh California down there? What was It, it was a big tight end they had. Pitta? Pitta. Dennis Pitta. He wasn't a blocker?
1: Hey, no, he wasn't either. Yeah, I agree. 100%. All right. So why and they split out in the slot most of the time, anyways? Why are we calling them <laughs> he tight was, ends? Yeah, he's yeah. essentially a wide receiver, would not he? That's what I'm oh, He's a big wide receiver,
3: but but yeah, I'm sitting here listening to Kalani saying, "Well, they, you know, yeah, where everyone thinks they're not participating, you know, but but they're out there blocking, they're out there helping the quarterbacks stay clean, they're out there opening, creating space for our running backs. Come on, that's not what tight ends want to do." Who Who cares cares about what they want? (laughs) Play receiver. What do you think about Kalani saying, well, you know, it depends on the defense we're going up against, blah, blah, blah. That didn't seem to matter for a lot of tight ends who get five, six catches a game no matter who they're going up against.
1: Like who? Like Dennis Pitta. Yeah, but we just established that he wasn't playing tight end. (laughs) I think it does. I, you know, we we talked about, uh, you know, BYU's offensive line, but I'm sure those tight ends blocking really helped Jaron Hall yeah. do what he was okay. doing. I mean, it, right. it, usually against a front seven like Utah's, so you need all the help you can get. Man, we're just watching
3: a replay of the game. Tyler Algier, that guy is tough. But you're right. Look, the tight ends are helping block for him, so... So they should get some recognition
1: for it. You're you're part of the problem. I probably am. (laughs) (laughs) I apologize. Finally, here's Coach Sitake's scouting report on Arizona State
2: really well coached. Herms done an amazing job there. Obviously ranked and and they're having a lot of success. They have a really dynamic quarterback that causes a lot of problems. Jaden Daniels is a really, really good player and and he has a lot of poise. He just seems like a veteran right now. Surrounded by a physical, athletical line, good tight ends that can play and can block and they can catch. And uh, a number of skilled players at running back and, and receiver that have tons of athleticism and speed. So it's a difficult matchup, but we're looking forward to it. Really well coached as well. They Tons of athletes, size, playmaking ability at a lot of different places. And notice their, their linebackers are very active. Well-coached team, they're ranked for a reason, so looking forward to them being here in our home and looking forward to the matchup and the, and the game.
3: Uh, question. Is BYU going to face a quarterback this week that could Jaron Hall Yeah, sure. I mean, dude had 125 rushing yards last week. I'm sure it's keeping uh, Coach Tuiaki up at night. Yeah. Those are
1: those are tough quarterbacks to defend, as uh, as the Utes found out this last week. Yeah, we'll see what Arizona State does. I was a little surprised that they bumped and skidded with UNLV for a minute. Yeah. Because nobody yeah. should bump and skid with UNLV <laughs> for any, any
3: period of time. I remember one time I was down there at the practice field at UNLV because it's right next to where the, uh, at least it used to be, right next to where the tennis center is. And my one of my daughters was playing in a tennis tournament down there, and the, the UNLV was practicing. So I went over and just watched them play, and I thought, what would it be like to play for UNLV football? Well, I, I, I mean, UNLV football? I mean, they, they, what kind of player does it take to go to a program that struggles almost every year? Well, they want is a free education.
1: <laughs> Is it because they get, they don't have any other choices? Oftentimes. I honestly thought that that's not where that story was going to go. I thought you were going to talk about how Randall Cunningham came up to you or something like that. <laughs> I was watching, you know, he practiced. Well, he was, was, pretty, just said, hey, he, Randall, he was pretty good. Hey, Randall. Randall. Randall, how are you? Gordon Monson. He punted, too. One legend to another. So he
3: could pass it. He could run
1: it. He could punt it. I think the only two... UNLV running rebel football players I can truly think of off the top of my head was Randall Cunningham and then of course Frank the Tank Summers. Remember that guy? No. I the don't. the running back that just ran over Utah the oh, the one yeah, year yeah, where yeah. UNLV
3: beat him. I do remember with, that. With uh mm-hmm. wasn't it
1: wasn't it Tommy Grady playing quarterback and then he got benched at halftime and Witt put in Brian Johnson whose arm was barely <laughs> attached to his body. His shoulder was so injured. I got to respect the UNLV Rebels. I mean,
3: you who, do? Yeah, if you go there, I mean, you, you go into a program that it never really wins. And, you know, I mean, you either have a lot of confidence in yourself or you're desperate. That You're going to make a difference or you don't really care. You just want the free education. I'd be and you get to live in Vegas. Which, you know. I'd be
1: playing up the Vegas angle. That, okay. that would be my entire recruiting pitch.
3: <laughs> I don't even want to think about what it would be like for you at that age, 18 years old, to go to college in Vegas.
1: Yeah, yeah, you'll be playing some football, but guess what else you'll be doing? <laughs> I'm not sure you would have made it out of broadcasting school. No, I doubt it, but probably would have had a good time. We're here at the Dish Professionals. Call them today, 801 424 two four three four seven four. Um, we 'll get to the hundred bucks here in a second, but tell us about uh, the the fire stick thing you 're always talking about
4: yeah, this is a uh, one of the the twenty things that uh, Dish does that uh, you don 't get with any other provider and uh, Dish has got an amazing app their dish anywhere app is uh, is different it I guess is a good word for it instead of connecting back to a server, it actually connects back to your receiver, which is really cool because that uh, gets you all your local channels and Uh, your DVR recordings you have access to all of that but uh, Dish put the app on the Amazon Fire Stick so if you uh, are traveling and you're like for instance Washington State game they announced that's going to be on the Pac-12 network against Utah and so that uh, if you wanted to watch that game and you were and not home probably tough to get that channel you could take the Amazon Fire Stick plug it into any TV and boom you can watch everything right then
1: that's so convenient. Yeah. Uh, if somebody, you know, sports fan out there is traveling a bunch, I don't see. I, I personally have used it for children's programming, yeah. you, you know, the, uh, when we're going out of town just to have access to everything on our D- DVR. Got to have that Paw Patrol fix, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's a, it, the time, you know, when, when Paw Patrol comes up. Is backyard again still a thing? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm sure I'll learn about it all. But uh, right now, it's it's that. Uh, but no, it's incredibly convenient. Yeah. And and it's a great way to marry technology with, you know, your programming and what you have at home and what you want. In fact, Dish has done a good job of that across the board.
4: They have. And, uh, you know, with the simple promotions and the, uh, the access that we give people to get, you know, all the programming they're going to need, you know, if you're, wanting to get jazz games and Utah football games and BOU football games, and you don't want to spend a ton of money, like I say, you can, we can get a one TV solution for a couple dollars a day. Um, great access with the uh, Amazon Fire Stick. You can use it that way, dish anywhere at. Plus, you can get the Tailgater, which we talked about earlier, which is that uh, just really cool little mobile dish. You just set it outside, auto finds the satellite, doesn't matter where you're at, and you can uh, watch the game.
1: 801-424-DISH. Call now. 801-424-3474. And get bucks. that $100 back. Cat, well, not cash. I guess you'll get a check. But, you know. <laughs> I'm going to mail you Cash money. It's <laughs> cash. 801-424-DISH. Call and sign up during the show to get that $100 back on top of all the other great promotions going on right now. Uh, we appreciate you, Ryan. Thank you very much. Thank you. 801-424-DISH. More next. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.
0: Ready. 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 It's game week for the Utes, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. After a disappointing loss in the Holy War, the Utes look to rebound as they hit the road to square off against an old Mountain West Conference rival in San Diego State. Catch the Ute pregame show Saturday at 4, with a postgame show immediately following the game on the Zone Sports Network.
4: Ah! From
0: Monday morning to the postgame press conference. Nobody brings you better coverage of Ute football. You ready? Yeah! The 97.5-1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Your home for the best college football coverage in Utah. This is your Cougars at 30 update on 97.5-1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.
1: Cougar 30 update. Here's running back Tyler Algier talking about offensive line play against Utah. <laughs> That's a hard question.
4: Well, oh, for, sure, <laughs> 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 for sure. if I was financially stable. I for sure buy if I was NFL status, and for sure buy I'm hell of stakes playing up. We're just grateful for them. I'll for sure be training them this week.
1: This update brought to you by our friends at Syringa Networks. If you're working from home or with a hybrid workforce, get a powerful IT partner. Syringa Networks, call 385-420-7881 or go to syringanetworks.net.
2: don't make a play
0: the best college football coverage in utah is right here on the zone sports network we don't quit let's go the utes head to southern california to renew an old rivalry with the san diego state aztecs your home for the best coverage of ute football is right here on the zone sports network huh? Huh? you're listening to the big show with gordon monson and jake scott on 97.5 1280 the zone and the zone sports network
5: Jake Scott, you're making me so mad because you're being so stubborn that now I have to agree with Gordon all the time. Do you know how hard it is to sleep with that? That game was all BYU, what they did. Utah barely even showed up. Big 12 went over Utah. Something tells me we could be on the right track. But be humble, Cougars. They did win nine
4: straight. The streak is over, I'm glad. The streak is over, you're glad. The streak is over, the state's glad. And only
2: the youths are sad.
4: You know what they say, it's hard to beat a team ten times in a row. <laughs>
1: Oh, I love it. The open mics, keep them coming. Go to our zone sports network app, open the uh, open mic feature, and you can record up to 15 seconds of audio. And uh, we will talk uh, more rivalry, obviously coming up. Cole Fotheringham will be on the show at 5:30. 30. Uh, we were going to talk to Dennis Todd today before. um, he had to rearrange some stuff because he's working on a story. And, uh, based on this tweet here, Gordon, obviously it's the uh, USC story as they fired Clay Hilton, uh, mm-hmm. earlier today. Um, Dennis just tweeted this. Uh, The USC job is Luke Fickles to turn down if he does. Bob Stoops might be waiting in the weeks. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Now, you're the one who set the high standard earlier in the show that they should go hire Nick Saban. I didn't say that. I meant a coach like that, or
3: that caliber. The of best coach. coach in college football, well, in that neighborhood. I didn't. I wasn't suggesting that Nick Saban was moving to Los Angeles.
4: What do you think? He's in a
1: neighborhood all of his own. What do you mean in that neighborhood? Who else is in Nick Saban's neighborhood? All
3: right, all right. But a really high quality, well-known coach. Seems like that would be a good way to resurrect go. Bill Walsh. <laughs> Now, Bill had moderate success at Stanford.
1: One of the greatest NFL coaches of all time. Duh, just go hire Nick Saban. Did I tell you about the time I talked to S- him. No, oh. stop it. Nope. Uh, Luke Fickle, I, I imagine, is a well. I we know you can look at his track record. He's a fine football coach and uh, has certainly has Cincinnati in a good spot. But I don't think he qualifies as in the neighborhood of Nick no, Saban. No, he doesn't. I, I, and Bob Stoops, we—he's uh, <laughs> washed up, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure I would go that direction. But you said Pete Carroll was likewise. So, well, we said we were talking about that off the air. I mean, yeah, Pete Carroll was washed up, and then USC grabbed him, and you know, obviously the rest is history. He was <laughs> pretty good. So I don't, well, I don't know. You can buy houses and stuff for your players. You're gonna do all right. Well, that's the thing. You've got to bring in. all legal. Bring in somebody. Yeah, now it is all legal. So (laughs) bring in somebody who's going to maximize those resources. Yeah. And SC's got the
3: finances to do it, so I don't know why they don't. Is that because they've established a reputation as being sort of a coach-killing outfit? Well, there's a lot of pressure to win there. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 But the, the, it's the kind of program that you would think would have the resources available to it to get
1: a really good coach, somebody a little better than Clay Helton. All right, it's time to uh, talk a little Ute football with former Ute quarterback. Let's get out to the Smart Rain special guest guest line. It's no mystery. Utah is in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is the solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at Smart Rain, SmartRain.net. Uh, joining us now, Frank Dolce. What's going on, Frank? Hey,
5: guys. What's happening?
1: Uh, big news today. We'll, we'll talk Utes, obviously, in rivalry game with you. But uh, what do you think about uh, Clay Helton out after just two weeks
5: Well, I think that was probably overdue. (laughs) Uh, I I like Clay Helton. Like, Clay Helton's a good – like, he's a really good guy. He just never seemed to get enough out of the talent that he had available. And he had all the talent.
3: Okay, so – Frank, let's uh, revisit what happened on uh, on Saturday night. What what are your give us your sort of flyover comments?
5: Well, I think uh, uh, Utah got probably got outcoached, um, certainly got outplayed uh, in, in that game. That you know, that's how sometimes that's how losses go. <laughs> Maybe lots of times. And and you know, some of the things that kind of usually bounce Utah's way, didn't go their way and missed a field goal, you know, stuff like that. The two turnovers, super costly, although they didn't directly lead to points. Um, I think one of the biggest things, like like the three things that I look at in a game a lot, third down conversions, Utah lost that. Turnover battle, which is probably the most important, Utah lost that. Uh, Running the football, Utah lost that. So... And then and then as a result, if I'm correct, I think Utah ran something like 51 plays in the game compared to 70 plus for BYU. So, I mean there I think there's a lot a, a lot of things that that went into that loss for Utah.
1: Let's talk about quarterback play. Frank, what do you think about Charlie Brewer?
5: I thought he looked uh, he managed pressure well, although he was harassed. I think that was probably what you would call it. his numbers. Don't look good, and I don't think you can place that all on Brewer. I think that, that it's an indication that something else is not exactly right with that football team. Uh, I was, I, I, I like, I still like Charlie Brewer. Um, that was a, that was kind of a rough outing for lots of reasons, and. I still think that he has a very high ceiling, so I'm not soft on Brewer at all. Um, I thought he, he did. He seemed to do what he could under the circumstances, and, um, and, and maybe that just wasn't good enough Saturday.
3: What did you think of Jaron Hall's performance?
5: I thought it was solid, uh, certainly a playmaker, uh, and, and got his team out of difficult scenarios a few different times. Uh, Utah probably didn't do... Uh, I, I, I just didn't think Utah did a great job of, one, pressuring him consistently enough, and two, containing him in critical situations. And uh, so that, that, uh, that hurt Utah. Uh, but I'm, I, I mean, I think Jaron has a very bright future, very athletic quarterback, and certainly will win a lot of games for the Cougars.
1: What did you think about Coach Shiitake and uh, and Coach Whittingham's uh, handshake and interaction after the game? I thought it was a cool moment.
5: Yeah, yeah, uh, both classy guy. I don't know. Would you expect anything different? I mean, those are two classy guys. So, um, and and I, I mean, as much as that loss probably hurts for Utah and as exciting as that win is for BYU uh, they're you know at the end of it there's just more important things than a, a rivalry game <laughs> although <laughs> sometimes it feels like it's the most important thing and so I I, I mean I'm hopeful that we can manage things like that uh, with, with class and in those scenarios Frank how,
3: how does this affect Utah's quest to win a Pac-12 title? Uh, suffering a loss like this against a rival, it's got to take an emotional toll, but I imagine it also can be sort of one of those uh, teaching moments.
5: I hope it's a – I mean, I literally – I hope that Utah's sounding the alarms in the building today. I hope this is a wake-up moment for that football team. We've heard lots about the talent on that team, uh, on both sides of the football, even even with some young, t- we, young talent. We've heard about how the transfer portal has been so meaningful for, for that football team. And, uh, and so to go into that game, and I, I'm not just saying the rivalry game because that game's always a little weird, but, but to go into that game and to, to uh, perform in that manner, even though some of the numbers looked okay for Utah to perform in that way, um, to look, uh, I don't know exactly what the word is for it, but uh, lethargic is probably too strong, but they didn't look exactly ready to play uh, or or engaged in in portions of that football game. Nothing against uh, BYU and Kalani and especially like I think that Aaron Roderick and Tuiaki did a fantastic job, like getting those guys prepared, and the game plans I thought were very good. But I also think that that's a beatable that's a beatable BYU team. so and and Utah couldn't figure out how to beat that team. So um, now you're going into a situation where and, and, and Utah's up against a team that slaughtered. Uh, Arizona, wh- that kind of kept it in check with with BYU. So I, I think that I, I mean I think that they should start sounding the alarm bells. Like this is a, this is our wake up moment uh, as we get into our last non conference game and head into a Pac twelve schedule. All of their all, you know all of their hopes and dreams, conference championships, all of that stuff are still available. But I think there's some you know some serious correction that needs to be that needs to happen with that team
3: what can i sorry jake i'm just curious to know you said that byu is a beatable team what did you see saturday night that made you consider them beatable
5: i think that uh athletically they're probably good not great uh i i would say that maybe depth of talent could could become an issue, even though I think the, you know, Kalani and people have said it's the most talented team they've had there for a long time. That may be true, um, but I think they're going to face matchups that don't favor them a- athletically, and I and 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 I think that's going to be, going to be a challenge. So I, you know, it's not like you're. I would say that going up against. Alabama, you're an unbeatable team, or you're going up against, you know, that kind of program. That's an unbeatable team. But um, I I just think that again, this is, you know, this this isn't rivalry stuff. This is is just being objective. I think that uh, that BYU uh, is is a team that could take a couple losses on their schedule. Um, That's again, nothing against the program, but it's not. It's not a team that I would say is going to go undefeated this year. Frank,
1: thank you very much, as always, for jumping on with us, man. We appreciate it. That's
5: it? That's all
1: we got today? Well, you know, uh, Gordon had all the hard-hitting questions. I had a few lined up for you. but Give me another one. Let's (laughs) let's take advantage of Frank Uh, being here. Because they're not sports reporters next. I'll I'll keep it short. You never keep it short. I
3: will. I'll keep it short. Go ahead and
1: ask another question. OK, go I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead. All right. As I, you know. Please do. Frank, uh, Coach Witt said on defense, their problem was they got pushed around and wore out. Right. He said that yeah. today at his press conference. Yeah. He said on offense that that wasn't the problem. The problem was they made a bunch of mental mistakes and assignment stuff. So my question to you is, yeah. which
5: which issue would you rather have? <laughs> uh, I think you, it's easier to to if you're being out physical that's a that's a hard problem um i think you can correct more easily mental mistakes so i i thought the problem was right at the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball and maybe that's what coach wood is talking about mental mistakes up front it it looked like to me that that byu defensively ran a very similar blitz to what weaver state did the week before and they ran it several times during the game uh, and, and utah didn 't adjust like there was no adjustment they, they didn 't figure out how to pick it up throughout the throughout the football game and that was a particular play that was troublesome for Brewer and for the passing game and so if you 're not able to make those in game adjustments that that 's going to be very difficult on the other side uh, I mean we Utah lives and dies at the line of scrimmage on the defensive side i mean that's the key that is in, in, throughout Throughout Whittingham's reign, that has been the absolute foundation of his success. And they, they could not figure out how to get enough pressure on the quarterback. They could not figure out how to get do, to be disruptive enough at the line of scrimmage. And I think that's a group that goes probably six or seven deep. Uh, and so those like those are things that are super concerning to me because... You just have to win at the line of scrimmage if you're going to win at this level. And so all the other things that we talked about, you know, turnovers and third downs and whatever else, all of that is, only matters at the line of scrimmage. If you don't win that battle, you don't win the game. And I think that's where Utah lost this football game, right, at the line of scrimmage.
1: Frank, thank you for jumping on with us. We appreciate. it. Thanks for letting me ask you my question.
5: <laughs> Man, I I love talking to you guys. It's always great to catch up. Congratulations to Kalani. Uh, that, that's a good that's a good win for him, and it's a good win for the program. I feel terrible for my Utes, and I hope it's uh, I hope it's a good wake up call as we start heading into uh, conference conference play for Utah.
1: Thanks, Frank. You got it, guys. Frank Dolce with us here on the big show. Sorry for hogging the question. <laughs> we were just up against it. I don't know. I was <laughs> watching the clock. All of a sudden you put me on the spot like, well, Frank goes, oh, it's so short. Well, we've got the not sports to get to. Yeah. Oh, uh, I was. Uh, yeah. There are selfish
3: people and unselfish people, and I certainly didn't want to. Uh, penalized the opportunity to talk with Frank because I wanted to aggrandize the Not Sports Report. Okay. i never want to do that, you know, and so I was trying to give you another opportunity. How selfless of you. Thank
1: you. Yeah. Wow. What a guy. <laughs> <laughs> Alive in the Dish Professionals. Call them 801 424 Dish. The Not Sports Report is next 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.
0: This is DJ and PK.
4: Samson Nakua joins us now, BYU wide receiver. The schedule goes on, and it was a big emotional win.
0: Fans stormed the field. We all saw all that stuff. How do you put that behind you now? Because you got a whole bunch of games. you got another Pac-12 team coming up this week. I think it's an easy win to put behind us. I think that game is just another game to us for what we have planned for this year, and we have to focus on this next game. We want to do big things this year. We want to show everyone that last year wasn't a fluke, that we can do the same thing And It starts with this game again. We knocked out two Pac-12 teams already. Let's knock out one more practical to and then moving to regular season and show everyone what we can do. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 till 10 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Check this out. And now your not sports report on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.
1: They call it KFC, because it's not really chicken. Time for the Knot Sports Report here on the big show, live from the Dish Professionals, 801-424-DISH. Call them today. The Knot Sports Report brought to you by the Larry H. Miller Used Car Supermarket. Over 1,000 used vehicles in inventory. Check them out online, lhmusedcars.com. Where are we going today, Gordo? Going to New York. Let me show you something, Jake,
3: and it's real fast, so we can do this uh on on the air okay so let me let me just show you something that happened in new york and i want to make comment on it all right so if i get this thing to go actually it's not going anyway as you can see there okay before i describe this i want to know is there etiquette on an escalator
1: What? What? what i mean like you don't run up the back of the person in front of you i guess I, well, what are the rules? Don't be a jerk. <laughs> Holding your gas.
3: <laughs> okay. Well, I, I wish I could find a way to get this. But this this guy right here is walking up the, I mean, a woman is standing on the escalator and a a guy comes up past her and bumps into her as he's passing her. Uh, and so, I my first question is: is it, is it is it okay to pass somebody on an
1: escalator? I guess, but take the stairs if you're running up the darn thing. Escalators well, are for us lazy people. Okay, so he bumps into
3: <laughs> her, uh, and so she turns and says to him, "Hey," says something like, uh-huh. "Hey, what? You know, excuse me, or something like that." And so he turns around. Puts his hands on each railing and kicks her with both feet down the escalator. Well, that's not okay. And she, so she tumbles backward down the escalator quite a ways and gets cut up and bruised and whatnot. Here's the other part of the story nobody stopped to help her. Everybody just what, stepped over and be like, excuse me. And so now the police are trying to find the perp here and uh, have not uh, been able to, uh, at least as of this writing in USA Today, they have not been able to uh, find who did it. Although there are pictures on, you know, with cameras everywhere these days. But he's he's wearing a mask for, you know, for pandemic purposes. But I, when I saw this, I want you, Austin, I want you to look that up. If you, if you uh, type in uh, man kicking escalator, you'll see the video. And one, it's super dangerous. Two, how inconsiderate can someone be? I mean, he swung up and used both his feet to kick her backwards down the escalator. That's scary, man. Yeah.
1: <laughs> that's her what? problem is that what yeah, you're saying she, yeah obviously the other people around didn't think it was all that serious they just stepped right over her. well that's because it's new york city okay here
3: i'm going to show it to you <laughs> and i i, I want to get uh, yeah. your reaction to this uh in two three one uh okay okay watch this jake
4: Two, three, watch one. three
3: watch this I, I would watch 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 Can you believe that? Not really. It almost looks fake, doesn't it? But it's not. The police are showed up and now are trying to locate the perp. There he is. I just I've seen some rude behavior on an escalator, but but I've never seen anything quite like that. Nope. here she is totally uh, exposed to danger and he kicks her down the steps. I mean, I don't know the rules. I don't know the rules. Well, maybe she
1: wasn't very nice about it. Uh, I
3: don't know. Are, there, like, is there, are there rules for an elevator? You know how, like, when you get in the elevator, everybody turns around toward the door? Have you ever gone into an elevator and just stood toward
1: everybody else? It freaks everybody out. Here's the one rule with the elevator. Let people off before you get off.
0: Oh yes, yes, <laughs> yes. And you if you stand there, if and you let break people that rule, Jake,
1: tar and feather. Yeah, I'm fine with that. There's nothing worse than you're trying to get off an elevator and somebody's just bullying their way in. It's like well oh, wait for especially, two seconds.
4: Especially if they have the cart full of soaps and shampoos and rags at the ho- at the hotel. That that person that just you're getting off the elevator and the, the housekeeper is like up, oh,
0: I'm getting on before you
4: can get out and then you're
3: just stuck okay so speaking of elevators i on oh. on on saturday night i'm i'm at, i'm leaving the press box and the elevator comes up and i didn't see that it, it still had to go up to the top i was just at the press level so i get on the elevator and it takes me up and at the top you know that's where a lot of the guys are with the cameras and everything we get to the top and i'm the only one in the elevator and it's a rather small space Two guys push all these boxes into, into the elevator, and I was literally crammed up into a corner. I mean, into a corner. And the guy says, oh, I hope you don't mind us getting all cozy in here. And I said, yeah, I do mind. <laughs> I didn't put the guy's face in my face. He's got a job to do. You don't think that was kind of rude? No. Well, I was in the elevator. I am, you know, uh, it was a possession is nine tenths of the law. And I was already in there possessing they, my space. But they loaded in with all these boxes and some sort of what do you call those things? Dollies or something. And it was taking up the whole space in the and, elevator. And they fit, right? Not, not really. I was all crammed over into a corner. The
1: doors close? Yeah, they did. Well, they deal with it. I
3: don't know. If I've been excuse moving up, if me, Mister Monson, we'll wait for the no, next no. one. If I've been loading boxes into the elevator and I'd seen I saw somebody in there, I
1: would have, you have said, done the we'll same wait. Thing. We'll no, wait. No, you would not yes, have I would have. stop it. Stop it right now. You guys, have a job to do.
3: The space was already taken by me. Excuse
1: me, Mr. Monson. We'll, well get off they, now. they had a
3: bunch of boxes on this.
1: What do you call those things? You know, it like doesn't matter. A flat thing with Nobody's wheels. Nobody's going to agree with you on this. And they
3: lo- they lo- so I'm standing there, and I'm taking up about a third of the elevator already. And they, they're pushing it in, and they can't quite get it Why in. Why so are that- you
1: entitled to a third of the elevator?
3: <laughs> I was just trying to make a joke there. But it's a small elevator. <laughs> No, or it's not. I've been on that elevator. No, the one on the north side. It's, anytime it's Gordon small.
0: gets on an elevator, he just holds a hula hoop around him. This not is my bi- space. Not, I get not a third. Big, well, not the
3: big one uh, on the on the south end. Doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm talking about the small one on the north end.
1: Plus, we got a pandemic going on. Oh, the do pandemic box, card. Boxes going to give you the coronavirus? No, but they were there too. So you have to have an empty elevator. Why do you no. take the stairs? I was already on the elevator. That wasn't uh, an option for me. But isn't that something you'd think about before getting on the elevator if you were what, that worried about it? What did I
3: think the two guys who were going to get on the elevator that are, you know, move, house moving? <laughs> oh, there was only
1: two guys? So... Me and
3: two guys come
1: on with the boxes and all the other crap. So an end-of-game elevator would usually have a lot more than two people on it, Gordon. It, it was a
3: small elevator. It was a very small space. I, I <laughs> want to say it was
1: probably four
3: feet by four feet. And these guys were loading four right. feet by four. Stop it. Stop it, right? <laughs> they, were loading, <laughs> they were loading like 25 feet where the box is plus the two of them. Nobody. And, I, and I'm trapped
1: now. I can't get out. Nobody's going to have sympathy for you on this one, pal. Well, I wanted to kick them down this stuff. Oh, wow. Uh, we're here at the Dish Professionals, 801-424-Dish, 801 424 And, Ryan, something we want to incentive, or just hit on today, and you certainly with the $100 incentive are, are driving it home, but there's a lot of people out there that hear you every day, or hear you when we're here, and think like, oh, that sounds good, but so, you know, think, oh, I'll call when I get home, or all this stuff, and then just... Falls on the back burner and never end up doing it i I like it that we 're here today because people need to get off
4: the fence and just do it you 're going to be happy you did trust me right yeah that 's the goal and that 's the goal of putting the incentive together is to say you know if you're, uh, if you 're listening and you 're like yeah I'm, I want to get it I, I want to or you know possibly want to get it. This is the day you want to call when we do these uh, extra hundred dollars cash. You get a, a signed check from me, like like to say for a hundred bucks plus the two year promotion. Honestly, a hundred dollars is really peanuts because we can save people thousands of dollars. And uh, you know, I've got a, a customer actually in the other room that you know was a typical cable customer paying three hundred dollars or just shy of three hundred dollars for TV and internet. And you know, situations like that are are, are prevalent and. If you call us up, we can save you hundreds and hundreds of dollars a day a month or thousands and thousands of dollars over the next couple of years and get you a bigger faster d v r more features auto hops voice remote um you know that remote locator always comes in handy when you lose a remote and um and and also, you're going to get that Pac-12 network in the NFL Red Zone and a Google Nest Wi-Fi router. It's a Man, great time. That's a
1: great, it is the time. So, call 801-424-DISH, 801-424-3474. Get set up and get all those extras as well. You know you want to. People right. have been thinking about it forever. I, I imagine using that other clunky DVR that every time it sputters and takes forever to do anything, people out there are like, why do I put up with this and then forget about it, of uh-huh. course, until the next time it happens. Exactly. Well, remember now and just call.
4: Yeah, it don't – if you've got a – especially you – I'm going I'm to point it out. We sold it forever. If you're a DirecTV customer and you've got an old DirecTV system that's slow, call us up. You will be so happy you made the switch and uh, take advantage of the extra cash today. Uh, but if you don't call right now, you'll forget. So call 801-424-DISH. Do it.
1: 801-424-DISH, 801-424-3474. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you. We'll have more coming up next. Don't forget Cole Fotheringham at 530. It's the Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.
0: All right, that's one week for the Cougars when I break it down, down, down. And the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It ain't over till it's over. After their emotional win against the Utes, BYU welcomes in another Pac-12 opponent as Arizona State rolls into Lavelle Edwards Stadium this Saturday. Listen all week for your chance to win tickets to the game and then catch the Cougar pregame show Saturday at 6 with a postgame show immediately following the game on the Zone Sports Network. From Monday morning to the post game press conference nobody brings you better coverage of cougar football than 97.5 1280 the zone and the zone sports network